Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It is your Caped Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our new friend, Habbo. We're here to break down Monica and the Bedsty Blade and everything in between. Welcome to the stream. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Hey, I'm having an awesome night. Finally got a new bookshelf, so we're kind of mid-construction here. Very excited about that, though. Um, I ordered a small one. I was really excited, waited weeks, you know, that Amazon, like, impatience, like, looking out the window. Bookshelf gets here, put it together, and it's, like, small. And I can't even fit a book in there. And I'm like, man, I got played. <laughs> <laughs> but we are here keeping it geekly, and what better night to do it than on a Sunday, bringing in the new week. And let's do that with introducing who you are and how you got into indie comics. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Havo. I am a Brooklyn native artist, and I got into comics, honestly, like literally, I, it might sound generic, but literally when I was a kid. Um, growing up in, in in elementary school and middle school, I have friends, we would just draw in on a, like, you know, the loose leaf paper folded up. And the first thing I remember actually doing were like these little Sonic comics, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so like, we would just, I don't know why Sonic, but we would just make these Sonic comics. And then in middle school, Dragon Ball Z was a thing. So we started doing this <laughs> Dragon Ball Z comic and we incorporated other characters into it. And one of my friends actually, um, we would have this one composition notebook and each night we would take it home and work on a page, give it back to the next person and just keep going from there. And I still have it to this day. That is so cool. I remember drawing little uh, Dragon Ball Z characters, like always as battle damage as humanly possible, bleeding yeah. all over the place. Uh, always the same pose though that's probably where i didn't you know take <laughs> off it was always like looking to the side um <laughs> so how did we see uh th that notebook slowly uh begin to uh, bleed into actual comics like where did those steps start to take place you know i it just happened one day for lack of a better term because i always was drawing i always was doodling i always was making something and then at one point um i got into the digital era of it so they had you had drunkduck.com you had deviant art so once i learned how to do that i basically i didn't even have this is before like wacom tablets and all these fancy things we mm -hmm. have now so like i'm using my mouse and i'm clicking i'm making the lion art it was painstaking yeah that sounds like long. yeah <laughs> um and then learning how to like color and do everything like it was just a nightmare but it was also still fun because i was part of a community so drunk duck it's still around today but it was probably like the place to go for web comics back then so you had um there's this one that turned into a movie with daniel craig i'm trying to remember cowboys versus aliens so you had that one that was a big name back then yeah um vg cats by scott ransomare you had um even control alt delete by tim buckley that became a meme it's like some years ago that the internet teased about but having that community around you made you want to do it more and it, and back then because we were young we weren't really thinking about career we weren't thinking about money so it was just like for the fun of it and mm -hmm. we would do like little crossovers we would work together and have all these collaborations and it was a really good time that's um, so cool yeah and then i got to the point where i was like you know what as i got older i was like let me try doing this for real like if people are interested in reading my stuff if people are interested in getting commissions then let's launch this as a proper thing so for the last 10 or so years that's where habtoons came from that's i i love i love that origin story that is so awesome like taking like you know what you grew up doing and your love and passion and and just realizing like hey i need to i need to take this and i need to run with it uh what was that process like making it more of a legitimate like business for you <sighs> a lot of a lot of confusion 
to be honest with you a lot of confusion and a lot of um just picking it up as you go along because for some reason when it comes to this world that we're in there's not a lot of information and there's a lot of misinformation so it was hard to at least in the beginning now it's not so hard but in the beginning just figuring out like where to go how to do this the right the right uh size of your document for printing the right colors and um how to do word bubbles and lettering properly and all these things that like i just learned on my own Mm -hmm. and um getting to the point of like working professionally i think my first ever like real moment was probably making this comic called i'm kind of embarrassed to like say the name because it's so corny it was called uh shuriken alliance and i don't think that's was, that bad though you know <laughs> it was so stupid because basically <laughs> like i had this character that looked like um i don't know if you're familiar with like japanese animation but there was a show called inuyasha back in the day yeah 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 he had the gray hair so i had a character that looked like him and then like they come to earth like it was so weird they come to earth from another planet and they're like this team of superheroes one guy had super speed one guy was super intelligent and it was all like really basic and that kind of blew up um and then like i just stopped doing it and it went to my other like big project that was on drunk duck called um autumn blood and that like had a huge community around it i don't know how or why but it just did and it was about this kid he was kind of like a think like morty from rick and morty he was kind of like mm -hmm. this like doofy kid and he's like an embarrassment or whatever and <laughs> trying to get the hot girl but are not really good at it and then he stumbles into this like library gets transported to another world and becomes like this burgeoning unwilling hero and people were just eating that up and i was like all right i'm just going to keep going and keep going i just kept making more and more and more um i started like trying to put myself out in the physical world too and start selling there and then it just kept growing and growing that yeah, I, I I love it. That is so awesome. We have Oblivia stopping in over on Twitch, uh, throwing some hype in the chat. Welcome to the stream. That is my girlfriend. So hey, heads up. There's gonna be a half belt bookcase in the living room when you get home. <laughs> Do not uh, freak out in alarm. <laughs> so um, with uh with your comics, when you started uh really really working into it, you started really focusing. Uh, we were talking backstage on uh representation. So let's let's really uh, talk about the importance of that and and how you reflect upon that within your books. So that's actually a long story. I'm gonna try to make it short. Um, you can make it as long as you want to, though. I mean, feel free. Okay. Hey, hey, it's your show. Um, but basically, growing up, growing up, we really didn't see. Obviously, you've heard this this narrative a lot of times. Growing up, you don't really see a lot of things that look like you. Um, and in middle school, there is this moment where we, like, the middle school I went to was. Can I can I cuss up here? Can I cuss? cuss? Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. All right. Yeah. So the school, the middle school I went to was black as fuck, man. Like for real. Like every teacher was all about like black power, black love, black mm -hmm. representation. Like all our teachers, our deans, like really showed us that, and that stuck with me for such a long time. And then for some reason, from that moment transitioning from middle school to high school and into like my early twenties, I lost that. I don't know what happened, but I lost that. And I started hating myself for being dark skin. I started hating myself for being black. Um, cause there was like this whole light skin, dark skin thing going on in the schools or anywhere in, in our society. So I just felt like ugly. I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't feel right. And that also like reflected in my art. So like all the characters I was making, my main characters, everybody was white. When I would play video games, everybody would be white because I just didn't feel good about myself. And it wasn't until like maybe my mid twenties, like around 24, 25, where I just had like this rebirth, this reawakening. Um, and I literally remember when it happened, I went to this festival called Afropunk here in Brooklyn. Shout out mm -hmm. to Afropunk. And this was like this beautiful celebration of blackness, whether it's alternative black, 
uh black that grew up in brooklyn black that grew up somewhere else it was just like everybody came together there were like these amazing performances like jamel monet was there erica badu most deaf you had all these heavy hitters there and you just saw all this beautiful blackness around you and like something like just snapped in my brain and it just switched off and i was like all right i gotta i gotta work on this everything has to change now and then i just started making all my characters black and all my stories black centered because it's it's just important to the point where it can affect you psychologically mm -hmm. like i just said i felt bad about myself and and fast forwarding a little bit i also teach so i've had moments where i would be in a classroom and showing kids how to design characters and usually i'll just do mine the way i do my characters all the time and i remember this little girl and she was african and she was west african and she said why do you make the lips like that why does this look like that and i'm like because that's what i see as cool or beautiful or or amazing and when she would draw her character she would draw like the white girls with the blonde hair and blue eyes and it was just like it it hurt me a little bit that she felt that way because she didn't like herself so it's just like this cycle that i'm trying to break with my art and that's why i i put the representation there that's why i put because we're not just a monolith because there, there are black people that like rock music there are black people that like edm there are black mm -hmm. people that like rap there are black people that travel the world or some that don't and it's just like i want to include everything and i want everybody to feel like they have a part of their story somewhere in media whether it's comics video games or whatever that is awesome thank you for giving was that the long story yeah <laughs> thank you for yeah, giving us yeah. the long story because that was that was worth it that i love I, I i love every bit about that especially you know the moment with the little girl and kind of wanting to break that cycle and uh man that that was a very touching story thank you for sharing that how are you uh so how are you going about that within your comics you know what are we how are you seeing that reflected you know what what type of plots are we seeing you know where you are really trying to incorporate the representation within it so i have this comic um it's, it's currently on a hiatus right now because i'm reworking a lot of things but um in 2011 i made this comic called epic ethel and i wanted her to be like and this is kind of corny to say, but I wanted her to be the black tank girl because I love tank girl, but I'm like, I want a black version of it. So I made Epic Ethel. And so she's like this, this woman that lives in Bed-Stuy where I'm from here in Brooklyn and she has powers. So her powers can vary from shooting fire to having a steel body. And her whole thing is defending her home. And the whole theme of the comic is about gentrification and like me seeing my neighborhood and everything surrounding it change over the last decade or so for good or ill and it's like she's defending us from the nasty parts of it people that want to come in and change the culture come in and make things hostile for the natives that live here hostile for the people that grew up here and know how things work so that's how i implement it in that regard and also i have a comic called unit 333 um, which is based on uh, my own struggle with mental health and i felt like that was a good representation because at least in the in the black community it's like i feel like mental health wasn't talked about enough and in the black community it's like even worse so i i felt like that was the moment that was the call to be like okay let me make this story about this cosmic horror psychological thriller that people can like really dive into because when i did this let me tell you something when i did this i also did an exhibition a solo pop-up exhibition and it it started out as this thing of like okay here's my art here's all the stuff that like really got me and then it turned into this huge discussion about mental health and a lot of people just came out like just saying like how they struggled or they had a son that struggled or a family whoever and it was just like a beautiful moment and and that's and, so awesome yeah and that's why like i just try as much as possible no matter what um 
so like that so the gentrification of mental health and just also with kids too and that leads into the other stuff like with Monique, where it's like kids need to see themselves kids need to see other characters that look like them everything doesn't need to be because i feel like we're all also in this like this and sorry to be a run-on sentence but i feel like we're we're also in this state where everything's mature now like even the marvel stuff they cuss in it there's like lewd things and like we had stuff like that too but now it's just like i feel like we're not making stuff for kids we're making stuff for the kids at heart that are us that are old yeah yeah you know so i want to make stuff that also is like for them and specifically for them no, that is that shoot man i i i am loving i am loving this this is this is so awesome so is it like did you find it challenging switching from like you know the the different types of stories you know it seems like these are like two different uh types of like you know with uh with three you know the the mental health one compared to uh the you know the one with uh you know defending the neighborhood and then uh monica the you know the one geared towards children was it hard transitioning between all these different types of storytelling yeah because sometimes so my my i feel like my style comes off a little like creepy or freaky so it's hard to really at least especially with the visual aspect to kind of like make sure like this fits with this story this fits with this narrative and this fits with that so it, it can be a struggle sometimes i'll be like i'll i'll get into it i'm like oh yeah it's gonna look crazy and i'm like oh wait hold on this, <laughs> this, is not, this is not part of this universe right now let me go back to that so yeah definitely are they all like in a, in their own respective universes or do they uh do they collide at any point well actually you're going to hear it here first but yeah it's a it's a massive shared universe that i've created over like the last decade so there's it's kind of like marvel in a sense before marvel started doing it so they stole that from me honestly it's the <laughs> <laughs> well see i remember uh, you, you were talking about the one story uh taking place in uh bed but then um you know monica and the bed blade i was like okay there has to be some some sort of connection there yeah so this is sort of like a a soft reboot because I've been doing stuff off and on and like there are moments where like I'll start a project and the stop and not finish it. So I'm trying to get myself in a habit of like just continuously being consistent so that like I don't lose one, my fan base and mm -hmm. two, my interest in doing these things. So this Monique in the Bedside Blade story is kind of like the soft reboot of everything. And she's like the progenitor of things that are going to affect and carry out through the entire um, Haberverse or whatever you want to call it. That's so cool. I, I love that. And yeah. I mean, let's touch base upon uh, the mental health as well. That had to uh, been a was that a hard experience for you to kind of like break into? I I know for mental health. Uh, you know, I can't speak upon you know uh, the black aspect of it, obviously, but uh, just the male aspect of it. You know, as a, as a man, uh, you're expected to add. You know, for me growing up, you know, man up. That was a big thing. You know, yeah, you weren't supposed to talk about your emotions. Uh, the, you know, the way you were treated. Uh, you know, you were just. Uh, expected just to kind of like stuff it all down and repress it right like you never had any sort of outlet so like how was that like finally having that outlet to kind of like break into it it felt like the biggest relief you know like just the like atlas you know the weight of the world off your shoulder at that point um it was a struggle to create it because i was still by the by the time i was doing it by the time i was putting everything together i was still kind of like right out of that experience so like it was just very viscerally emotional um and there were days where like i just would not do it i would not draw i would not make anything and then there were days where i'm just like all right let's go let's go let's go and what's interesting though about that i think that was for that time i think it fit mm -hmm. that because the art is like it's me but it's also 
this other part of me and it, it, it's like distorted it's weird it's a little offbeat and the comic itself is not a cohesive reading experience in the traditional sense because there's a lot of things going on so i definitely would say it was a struggle on the mental side and on the emotional side and also worrying about how people will receive it mm -hmm. that was the biggest one there too because i wanted it to be a communal thing and and i was like oh my god what if people think i'm i'm like a, a creep or insane or this or that <laughs> and it's just like no it was fine everybody loved it <laughs> you know no and uh I, I think it's it's nice to kind of be able to do that to be able to break into that to be able to take control of it because like at the end of the day like you know you and i obviously you probably realize it uh, like with mental health and stuff having control over it you know not lashing out in anger not lashing out in rage like that's the bigger man right like not like you know repressing it down destroys you like that and it's the complete opposite of being a man at least in my opinion Absolutely. Um, I, I wear everything on my sleeve. I say what I got to say. I don't hold anything back anymore. And also, I think a lot of things just don't bother me as much. I think mm -hmm. I'm in a completely different phase of my life where like even I just don't like online. You know how people just go back and forth on Twitter or whatever. I don't do that. If I get really upset, if I get really tight with you, I'm just gonna put I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in the art. That's it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like, oh, let me type my 140 240 characters here. Not, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna kill you in the comic. You, you, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, man, like transitioning to a, a soft reboot, uh, you know, essentially, you know, a, a children types of story. That 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 is in itself another big jump from like two different parallels, like. How was it like going into like I guess a more a more happier sense of writing? I would almost assume that it's it's happier, right? Yeah, no, it's definitely happier. Um, it came from honestly, it just came from being um, an educator for the last six years and thinking about what they consume. A lot of mm -hmm. the kids being on the the making it sound like we're in war, but being on the front lines with these kids, <laughs> these these you know third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders, kindergarten, second grade, you know middle school, a lot of the what they do, what they consume, and I'm you know I'm sure anybody that has a, a kid knows too. They're always on TikTok, they're always on social media, and a lot of that stuff is not filtered most of the times, and they just see so much, and, and it's, it's 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 a lot for them. And I see it affect them, especially the kids that I've taught over the years. And like, it really gets them down because I went from seeing kids being jovial about, you know, like talking about Gravity Falls and Bill Cipher to making fun of somebody because they don't have the latest Fortnite skin or they don't know how to do a TikTok dance. So my idea is to kind of bring us back to that more jovial, innocent state, because, again, if I if you look at a lot of the stuff that we consume, it's just geared towards the 30 35 plus people and not to the kids and they deserve yeah. to have more absolutely would you say like some of that was uh inspirations like gravity fall i you know i was picking up uh, adventure time as well like with some of like the trippiness of it um i would say honestly because i never watched gravity falls but maybe a little bit of adventure time because i did catch a few episodes here and there but my biggest inspirations i guess um as of recently would probably center around like the classic nickelodeon cartoons like class b supo who did you know rugrats are real monsters where they have like the squiggly lines and they got like these ugly lips and all this oh stuff. you're talking you're talking my language man yeah i love that i love that stuff because also we don't see that so it's a little bit of that and a little bit of like me 
trying to emulate a lot of the French artists from back in the day where they try to do this, um, where they did do this Ligny Claire style, where it's like these refined lines and simple backgrounds or heavily detailed backgrounds like Mobius. You know, everybody loves Mobius, the biggest sci-fi illustrator there ever was, you know. I thought you were getting ready to like make a, a Morbin joke here for a second. I was like, wait, is he talking about like Morbius? Like is, is we're about to Morb? Uh, it's Morbin time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is so awesome. Uh, let's break down some of the creative process. Uh, you know, do you, it, it seems I'm kind of getting a vibe that you might put the art down first or do you do the script? I mean, uh, well, well, like how, how does that work for you? It honestly varies, man. Like I love, I love coming up with ideas but also hate writing which is weird <laughs> so most of the times like what i'll do and this is probably like the worst way to make a comic this is probably the worst way to do it but i'll like just lay out panels and then whatever is in my mind at that time and whatever i see in that panel happen then it comes out that way and then i'll write the script around around that so for me depending on what it is like with moniqua i already have that laid out but there are some comics like epic ethel where like depending on what's happening and how i size up the panels or whatever that just goes that way <laughs> it just has a mind of its own it's uh, sometimes you have to just go with that flow too because i mean it leads you to greener pastures right yeah exactly exactly i think that's what art is right like we can control it only but so much but once it leaves us once it leaves our mind it's its own thing it has its own legs and then when you put it on the community spaces like twitter or wherever then it's it's you know something else completely and i love that no, that is awesome. Let's go ahead. We're going to share the pre-order link. So give us a little bit about what we're here talking about today, Monica and the Bed-Stuy Blade. Uh, what's the, the story about? Can you give us a little bit, I guess, about uh, the protagonist as well? Yeah, so Monique and the Bed-Stuy Blade, um, first of all, is a challenge for me because this is my first time. This is my first, very first time doing a completely silent comic. So there's no written dialogue. It's all through expression. And it's like, okay, how do I figure this out? How do I make sure I tell the, the story and they like everybody's like on mm -hmm. par with like, okay, this is what happened. This is what happened. So that part is like a challenge, but it's also really fun because then if I can do this, then I'll just keep doing that shit. Um, but Monique and the Bedside Blade is all about stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, even if you think you're the best at something, there's always something better. There's always something bigger. There's always somebody or something that's going to be a challenge to you. And Moniqua, she's like this, think of um, like Uber or Gitter or, or whatever delivery service. She's like that, but for treasure. So she's a treasure hunter and she works with her partner, Memi, who is a hab goblin, which is a, a creature in my universe. I love and, that. <laughs> and um, which is a play on hobgoblin, by the way. Mm -hmm um so they they get this email and they they want to make sure like they get on to bigger and better things they want to go on this big trip they don't have money so it's just like we want to do the most craziest dangerous thing in the in the universe and they get you know this big job so it's a little bit outside of their means and they have to team up with some people that they usually might not team up with so it's about stepping outside of your comfort zone and and making sure that you extend yourself and mm -hmm. ask ask for help because i also have problems um asking for help i've had that for a long time and i still do i struggle with that on a daily basis i can be like out on the street and wounded like i was in a battle with frieza and i still <laughs> won't ask nobody if i'll just be like i got it i got it. i'm crawling oh my around. god I got it. and you know and you know and the, the, <laughs> the thing is like then you don't got it and then they come around and you're like 
I know, I know, all right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's like this very friendly, you know, it's it's colorful. I want it to be whimsical, so it's very colorful. Mm -hmm. All the characters are like very simplistic in their design and it's just cute and quirky. So I wanted it to be for all ages and specifically for children to consume. So why put yourself through that, you know, to uh, eliminate, you know, lettering and words and, and, and have it where the uh, the panels are, are telling the story for you, you know, that seems like such an impossible. Like I'm looking at looking at it like I would not be able to achieve that. Like I have no idea how you even did it. Honestly, um, one because I just think it'd be. I just thought it'd be something cool to do, and I, mm -hmm. I thought it would just be a great challenge to just flex my muscle. And two, I saw somebody else do it. <laughs> um, I grew up watching Samurai Jack, Gindy mm -hmm. Tartakovsky, and then he also has his other show called Primal. And I'm watching Primal, and I'm sitting here like, there is no dialogue in this at all. There is like nothing. It's all based on the movement. It's all based on the environment. Like you really have to focus on framing. You really have to focus on character design, silhouettes, and all these things to really tell a story. And I'm like, could that be done in comic form? And that's how we got here. I'm like, I'm going to do it. If I'm not the first person to do it, I'm probably not. But if I am, here we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> so what goes into that, though? I mean, what were some of the challenges that you faced? I, yeah, the challenge is just trying to figure out the di like how to do dialogue without dialogue. Because like every moment where I'm thinking of especially action sequences or somebody like having an exchange, because there's like one scene where they're in a marketplace and I'm like, how do I have it so like they're they're there how it's noticed that they're there to shop or find something or find someone so it's it's all about just arranging and that's honestly like i was telling you backstage why i had to redo a majority of it because i'm like wait some of this don't make sense some of this is not drawn like correctly so it's 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 a long process and that's why i also extended the pre-order date to november 9th because it's a long process and i want to make sure it's like the best version of that as possible did you find yourself like trying to make it like too perfect at times like and, and forcing yourself to have to break away yeah because i'm a perfectionist like i'll see <laughs> something like i'll see something a little too wobbly because i don't really care about being too on with anatomy too on par but if it's like a little bit too wobbly i'm like, all right hold on we gotta erase this whole thing let's get rid of this let's move this over here i've like listen i've redone so many of my own illustrations and older works of art like it doesn't make sense so like i definitely am like that person that's like i need to make it so cookie cutter but that also hinders me so i try to be a little looser with it i try to be more go with the flow as they say mm -hmm. and that does come out with some good results it really does no i i love that i had to ask because i was i was picking that up too i think we, we kind of vibe with that being perfectionist of our own yeah. crafts and uh it can be hard to break away but I, you know, I wanted to ask because in a comic where you you take away that whole sense of storytelling, right? Like with uh, with words that you could build, that's how you build your exposition is words. So like doing that without words, that just that that would that, man, that is awesome that you were able to work through that. So uh, how many pages are we looking uh, for uh, within this book? Like uh, you know, and uh, a, oh sorry, go man. ahead. No, uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say as of right now it's twenty, but knowing me, I might I might end up doing like 35, 45, depending on Let's how go. like I want to tell this story. Um, 
because like I always have a rubric for myself. I always mm-hmm. already have something like set up. Like, okay, this is gonna be this many pages. There's gonna be this many characters in here. This is gonna be this sequence or whatever. But sometimes, like we talked about earlier, sometimes things take a life of their own. So like those twenty pages might turn into thirty. The five characters turn into ten, and the <laughs> villain might turn into the hero by the end. So it's just mm-hmm. this is all up in the air at at, at some point. So uh, how big of a are you looking at making this into a series? Is it going to be a one shot? Like, where are we looking at uh, within the world of this? So funnily enough, Monique was actually created during an Inktober project that I did. And it was probably around 2017, 2018. And I like the characters where like I started putting her in other comics that I did. So she was in like an issue at Epic Ethel. She was in some comic strips. And I was like, wait a minute. What if Monique just had her own thing? So I was like, I was coming up with ideas. I was throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. And then Monique went to Bedside Blade came up. And then I was like, this could be a, a multiple series thing. So Monique went to Bedside Blade will definitely be the first one. And if that goes well, or depending on how I feel, there may be some more, some subsequent issues later on down the line. No, that that is awesome. I, I, I love I love the potential and, and just um everything that's gone into it. So uh, before we dive into what's next, though, uh, let's dive a little bit into like how arts like helps, uh, you know, wor- you work through some things. I think we were talking a little bit uh, either through DMs or backstage on uh, how art has uh, the-, the capability of helping people work through uh, mental uh, depression and uh, illnesses. Yeah. So my my go to rule of thumb is that art is for everybody whether you are a 50 year vet in comics or animation or somebody that just started picking up and was doodling in their notebook. Mm -hmm. I think that art has the power to heal. Um, I believe that it has the power to help us focus. It has the power to help us vent. Um, And I think it also has the power to just make us feel like happy, you know? And I have a friend who, whose grandmother has dementia and she told me because i made this um in 2021 i made this um downloadable coloring book and she got a, she got a copy she downloaded it and she started doing it with her grandma and she told me that like her grandma was like improving in a certain way with the dementia and like remembering things or just feeling a little bit more jovial and happy and i'm like oh that's really interesting and i like looked mm-hmm. it up and that's actually that's actually a court there's actually a correlation between making art and that and having that having that or having anxiety or having depression where it can improve you over time if you're consistent with it or if you do it often enough that's and i feel awesome, like though. yeah and i feel like especially with younger children um that can help them really get things out that they can't normally get out at home or in school mm-hmm. and i've seen that um going back to the whole education thing and being an educator i've had kids make comics that were they try to they try to be cool with it and be like oh this is based on something else but like you can (laughs) tell it was like on their their own emotions in real life and like let me tell you the moment that they were able to publish this and have this up and showcased and everybody received it well and they were able to just be themselves and talk and just have that the chest puffed out it it just changed their whole attitude that's awesome dude yeah that's so cool i love it i love it so much she and uh it's you know for me i when i when i would do art i loved it but i was too much of a a perfectionist man i know you got to do it to get better at it but i'm I was not willing to to suffer through the the the, the path uh, to perfection with it. I guess. <laughs> I say honestly, I just say screw it and do what you want to do. 
I feel like a lot of people oftentimes they have an image of their head mm -hmm. and they want to put that image on paper. I say let whatever out out and then move on to the next thing because the more you focus on that, then it just stunts you and then you can't create and then you get frustrated and now you have that block. So just just be free with it, be open to it, be open to what your mind and your heart says, and then just have fun. That's, okay, that's I just feel like you just paper. read me, like word for word. You're like <laughs> that's what happens. I get a block, I get stuck, and I'm like, I'm done. Not, I'm not yeah. doing this again. Yeah. Me and my girl, we tried to do art nights so the first night. I'm like, okay, like. I'm, what am I doing here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's next for you, though? I mean, uh, after, you know, the pre-order for this, we get it published. You know, what are you looking at working on next? Um, next, I'm going to jump back into this project I did called the Redrawn Portrait Project. And basically, it's my way of highlighting, you know, black people in sci-fi and, and non-typical ways. And I've recently gotten to animation. So all these portraits are animated. Oh, so I'm going to hold. Awesome. Yeah. And what's what I'm going to do differently is I'm going to hold. Um, raffles and giveaways so like they'll have access to it and then it'll just be like a weekly communal thing and people can just like you know submit ideas or submit their portraits or submit their selfies and they can turn into a portrait so it's all gonna be it's all gonna be like really cool for the month of october and other than that i honestly think that i'm i might jump into ai at some point not to the point where it's creating for me and i'm posting that alone but i think as far as like creating concepts and just envisioning things and having a, a second opinion in a way right so like yeah. let's say you have an idea in your head you draw something and then you have that thing create something and then maybe you can just meld those things together i think that it can be a useful tool i don't think it's a, a replacement for artists i don't think it's gonna destroy careers per se but i think it can definitely bolster our creativity if used properly you know i think that's a really good take on it uh you know for the most part i've been kind of staying on the outside of it but every time i see one of those ai things like you could tell it doesn't have the heart and the passion. It doesn't have the direction, the artistic direction, the human touch uh, that makes, you know, that makes it uh, fit the panel. Um, it just, it, it's like a puzzle piece that fits without the actual paint of the puzzle on it. And only the artist can put that paint on that puzzle piece. And, you know, exactly. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you use it for, you know, your concepts. Because um, what else would you use? You'd have to like, you know, take pictures and stuff. Why not have an AI generated in five seconds, you know? Exactly. And and if you think about it, our world of automation and advancements, like there's always a human component. Nothing runs on its own. I went to a, a parking garage today with my girl and like there still needs to be a, an attendant for the, the ticket where you come into the garage. It's like what if it breaks down or if there's an error? You know, they have an assistance button there. So it's not like AI is going to be like all the companies are going to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to use Dolly. We're going to use Mid Journey because, again, like you said, and I feel this way, too, there's going to be a missing element, which is the heart of the human. You know, like you can write a prompt and it can create a, a beautiful image, but it's not going to be exactly what you're looking for because the human mind is going to think differently. A human mind is going to put things in that that might be referencing their past or things around them that the AI won't be able to see. So for anybody that's scared or nervous or doom scrolling, like honestly, do not. I feel like we shouldn't worry about it. I don't think it's going to. There's going to be some change, obviously, in the industry there may be in specific areas but i don't think it's going to just like catastrophically just get rid of all humans you know you know i i would say the art stuff absolutely once you start seeing the robots running around kicking the doors down that's when be worried <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's when we gotta run when boston dynamics send their robots out into the streets that's when we gotta run
So, uh, what social medias do you want to shout out? I know, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, you're also a Twitch streamer. You, you do a little bit of podcasting yourself. Go ahead and feel free to shout out anything you'd like to. Yeah, I'm on basically like every platform because that's what we're forced to do now, right? <laughs> um, so Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Habtoons, twitch.tv slash HaboTV, and youtube.com slash Habo. And I also have my own website where you can find more of my work, my schedule, upcoming events, and more information about me and things I do, Habtoons.com. Oh, absolutely. Well, I do. Holy crap. I appreciate it. This talk was so awesome, man. Have a, thank you so much yeah. for breaking everything down. And this was this was good. This was a jam-packed, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And I could not have asked for a better sit-down. Everybody, right now, right here is the link for the pre-order. If you're not able to pre-order it, feel free to just share it on Facebook or even Twitter, just, you know, anywhere. Word of mouth is 100% free. And you might have someone who's going to love this book. It is for all ages, so a pretty huge demographic there, you know. Feel free to share away. That being said, it is time for us to wrap up. I hope you guys all have a beautiful Sunday night, but most importantly, keep it geekly.